Oh, yeah. Well, I, I guess that's as good a note as any to say welcome back, Jonathan. Hey, thanks. How's, uh, how's fatherhood treating you this last week? I got a baby. <laughs> a wild Evie. And has, she is lovely. Uh, appeared. She is quite perfect. Um, like, seriously, this kid came into the world. She did. Well, she wasn't crying per se, but she just kind of came out and yelled. Like, it was just kind of one of those, <laughs> fuck! Fair response. And then went to go get cleaned up. <laughs> Wonderful. So, she, she's been pretty chill. I mean, she when she wants a titty, she gets a titty. And she lets us know that she wants one. But oh, other than I mean, that, yeah, it's been... It's I'm, not the, I'm the same way. Yeah. Right? You know, and that's what I'm telling her. I'm like, listen, this doesn't work. I've tried it. I've been crying for titties for just years. Mm. And mommy doesn't, you know, whip one out for me. But, you know, for you... you Lucky son of a bitch. Been been with my wife for 16 years, and I don't get them Hell, when I cry yeah, for them. Yeah. So it happens. I had a fun little time with a friend of mine today. A uh, couple of friends. We were trying to get a game server going, and I had uh, Evie on my chest, and uh, one of my other friends had his uh, newborn baby. I think she's like two or three months old on his chest. And the other guy, both his kids are teenagers. And he just kind of turned around. He's like, get over here. And just had his kid sitting on oh. his lap. So I was like, yeah, yeah I got to get a picture of awesome. that. Post. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's uh, sucks I missed last week's episode, but at least uh, I got to watch this movie. I would say you, you need to go back and watch the other movies so that you have a complete list. Sure, sure, sure. You were with uh, us in spirit and, you know, and we felt your energy, the, the baby energy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Trav, yeah, at that Trav, point. Trav was a nice... Uh, fill in. Yeah. He did a wonderful job. I'm always happy to have oh, him. I, I expect it. And I expect Trap to definitely bring energy, <laughs> if anything. Yeah. Else. So, uh. <laughs> that's for sure. But I think at the moment that you guys were recording, I think Jaylee was like, oh, God, we got there at like 2.15 Thursday. So, no, no, yep, Evie had been in the world at that point. Yeah, we, 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 had, still... we had welcomed yep, her yep. on the podcast already. I, I know it hasn't, that episode hasn't been released, so you haven't heard it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Thirty-three hours of freaking labor. That was fun, but she, a lot of that was with the epidural. At that point, she didn't give a shit. <laughs> that, that's that's good that she could yeah um, use the epidural. Not everybody can when they've been in labor so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, I got my flu so, shot today, so I'm good to go. Geared up for the winter. Nice. I need to do that uh, here soon. I went over to Manny's house, and he surprised. Uh, our D and D group with a impromptu friendsgiving, so I've kind of got the itis <laughs> yep. now. Oh, nice! <laughs> Very good. All right, you want to talk about a movie? Yeah, let's let's talk it. about a movie. Lots to talk. I'd about. like to talk about a movie. you beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman and i'm jonathan pierce and i'm zach mccoy we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar worsty podcast a show where we discuss oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what film are we watching this week jonathan this week we watched the life of emile zola tells the story of a french author who spends his life stirring the pot and through his works brings to light the seedy underbelly of france and the corruption of its government mm -hmm. is this everybody's first time watching this yes sir yes it was it, also mine hey look at that that's uh <laughs> two weeks in a row nice uh and this is only the second uh film in all of all of the history of the academy awards and Best Picture winners have a Z in the title. Oh, Just wow. a weird little note. Oh, okay. Nice. Of course, the other one was The Great Siegfeld. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm a fan uh, of Z. It's nice. Uh, it works for Zorro, so why not? Yep. All right. Uh, I guess we'll... I wish America would say Zed. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. But I think that might be a Power Rangers thing. Uh, oh, now I'm sad. Why? Why are you sad? Uh, Robert Axelrod died. Uh, I think it was this year. 
No. The guy yeah, who yeah. voiced Lord Zed. I actually got to talk to him on the phone once. Interesting. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was he uh he had did the Lord Zed voice for me and everything. Oh, it was great. Sweet. <laughs> Fanboyed pretty hard. I'm sure. All right. Let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. Uh thank you, Trab, for our wonderful Degeneration X stinger there. I I, I always appreciate that every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so The Life of Emile Zola was nominated for 10 awards. It is the first film to ever be nominated for double-digit awards. Nice. Sweet. It wins three of them. Okay. Uh, Let me see. What do we have here? Okay, Um, so the Academy, this is the first year that we have had where the competitive Oscar races don't change at all. Mm -hmm. We don't drop anything. We don't add anything. But it will be the last year that uh, dance direction and assistant director are part of the the ceremony. Okay. Okay. And as we discussed last week, uh, they add the Irvin G. Thalberg Award, which is a memorial award given to uh, the like hardest working producer or the best producer of the year. But uh, it's named after Irvin G. Thalberg, yeah. who died in 1936, and uh, good old Frank Capra revealed it at the 1936 Academy Award ceremony. Sure. Uh, Was there any uh, Betty Davis drama in this one? I feel like we went a few months or a few years there in a row with some Betty Davis drama. No, there was no Betty Davis drama, (laughs) but the Academy Award ceremony had to be postponed a week because L.A. got so much rainfall that it started flooding. Oh no. Dang. <laughs> and the Academy Awards themselves, the statuettes, didn't make it to the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, wow. So a lot of people ended up not being able to come to the ceremony for various reasons. Uh, some of them got sick. Some of them had films to shoot, stuff like that, because they had opened up their schedule for the week before and now it's a week later. They're like, I, I just can't come. Yeah. Yeah. God, don't you hate that? You, you, you take a day off of work, you schedule the vacation for that video game and then they delay it a week. Yeah. Uh, one of those, one of those people, <laughs> uh, was the host of the show who the original host name I'm having trouble finding, but, uh, ended up getting replaced by comedian Bob Bazooka Burns. Bazooka Joe. I said Burns. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's something we should be bringing up at least once is who was hosting that year. Because I know that's one of the things I actually enjoy about the Academy nine times out of ten is who's hosting. Well, let's go through the history then. I have all the host names with each year. Yay. I won't know a single fucking person. Uh, You might. Because the first (laughs) uh, host of the Oscars was Douglas Fairbanks. He was a swashbuckling uh, silent film star. Okay. The, uh, The character that... Timothy Dalton plays in The Rocketeer is based off of Douglas Fairbanks. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, cool. Uh, William C. DeMille, Academy President, did 2829. Is that like the, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille? No, that's... Um, Cecil? Man, his name just dropped out of my head. Oh, I mean, it's at least Cecil, DeMille. Cecil B. Cecil, yeah, okay, yeah, that's Cecil right. B. That makes sense, yep. Uh, so that's William C., and we're talking Cecil B., Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Conrad Nagel did 2930. Uh, Lawrence Grant hosted 1930-1931. Uh, Conrad Nagel, Academy President, 1931-32. So he's the first repeat host. Uh, Will Rogers. Oh, yeah. Hosted 1932-1933. Yep. Irvin S. Cobb did 34. Uh, Frank, Frank Capra, Academy President, 1935. And I believe I actually said that on that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Jessel, 1936, and now Bob... He's George Jessel? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I found that so funny. (laughs) Um, And uh, now we're up to Bob Bazooka Burns. So, bazooka in quotation marks. Thank you. Yes. Excellent. So there you go. Well, that catches up. I feel feel better about that now. Good. So you... I just... I like hosts. you've You've heard of a few of those people, and you'll... Spoiler alert, you are aware of who directed next year. Oh, okay. Okay. So, 
uh, 10 award nominations for The Life of Emil Zola. Uh, of course, Best Picture. It beats out films like The Awful Truth, The Good Earth, which is one you're going to hear, and the original A Star is Born. Okay. A Star is Born nominated for Best Picture. I believe a few other things, including Best Director. Uh, the Awful Truth wins Best Director for Leo McCrary, beating out... Um, I'm going to I'm going to butcher this poor man's name. William Turrell, who directed Life of Emile Zola. OK, yeah. Uh, Paul Mooney, who uh, uh, was apparently quoted as saying nobody wins two years in a row, loses best actor to Spencer Tracy for Captain's Courageous uh, and then is proven wrong when Louise Rayner, who won Best Supporting Actress the year before for uh, Great Zeekfield wins for The Good Earth. Huh. Fun go. note, The Good Earth is a bunch of white people playing Asians. Oh, no. Oh, did I say fun? <sighs> I meant completely racist note. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, so Paul Mooney, also star of that film with Laurie Rayner, <laughs> also doing yellow face. Uh, I there's a YouTube channel I watch called Be Kind Rewind, which is a uh, uh, lovely young woman doing videos about the best actress Oscar races from year to year. And uh, she did one on. On Louise Rayner winning best actress for this year and how. Oh, uh, and I, I'm sorry, I forget. There was an Asian actress who was really, really campaigning for that role. And then the studio cast Paul Mooney as the male lead. And uh, something I have neglected to bring up in a couple other episodes, the Hayes Code steps in. So the Hayes Code, of course, was a set of guidelines for Hollywood films that uh, really starts taking effect in about 1934. We discussed it in a few other episodes. Yeah. But part of the Hayes Code states that there cannot be mixed race love interests in Hollywood films. Oh, sick. Oh, God. Yeah. If they would have cast an actual Asian lead instead of Paul Mooney, uh, this Asian actress would have gotten the role, and she absolutely wanted it. I'm sorry, I forgot her name. I watched this video probably a good year ago, and the studio was like, no, Paul Mooney's kind of a big name, so let's throw him in there, and it, by, by the Hayes Code, Cancels out uh, casting any other Asian Ugh. leads. Boo. Terrible. Yeah, really gross. Yeah. Do not think <laughs> I will be watching The Good Earth anytime soon. Yeah, me either. Back to our Oscar breakdown. Uh, so, uh Zola has been nominated for three, has won one, and it wins Best Supporting Actor for Joseph Schlidkraut, who plays Dreyfus. The mm -hmm. man who goes on trial. Uh, which. I thought he was fine in this movie. I don't. Th I really more bothered by the fact of, that he didn't really have enough screen time. I feel like to. Really shine. Kind of how I felt. I mean, outside of the, the way he was screaming, I'm innocent was really the only passion you got out of him the entire time. So a lot of facial acting, but still. Yeah. And yeah, not a lot of screen time. Not a lot of lines, really. I honestly don't yeah. think he's that memorable of a character and them, you know, him being so removed from the storyline doesn't yeah. help. Like, I feel like uh, Zola's friend. Yeah. Um, the one who kind of calls him out on his shit. Um, uh, a frate or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel like he had to say I, a little bit more than I, the guy uh, Dreyfus had. Sorry, it, it's going to bother me because I know that writer that was his yeah. his roommate at the beginning of the film. And now I can't think of the character's name and it's going to kill me until I look it up. Saison. Saison. Paul Saison. That's just fun to fucking say. But yeah, I felt like he he was a bit more in this movie than Dreyfus was. And I feel like he, he was really well done too. Yeah. I, I liked Cezanne in this film. 
Vladimir Sokolov. Mm-hmm. So now we're up to four nominations, two wins. Uh, and now we're on to Best Supporting Actress. It goes to Alice Brady for In Old Chicago. Now, Jonathan, as we discussed earlier in the week, are you ready for the best note I've ever given on this show? <laughs> it's the best note we've given on the show. Yep. I miss that. We're, we're bringing it back. Mm, yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. 1937. Bring it back. Mark the date. Mark the date. Okay. Al's Brady wins for in old Chicago, but Al's Brady is out sick and does not make it to Aww. the ceremony. A mystery man accepted the best supporting actress Oscar on behalf of bedridden Alice Brady and ran away with it. <laughs> Alice Brady never <laughs> received her. Award. Wow. Mystery man uh, still never identified uh, to this day. Uh, At least not identified up to 2003 when this book was printed. (laughs) Goodness. Uh, uh, I feel like that's something that we need to find out eventually. Like, I just feel like that's like the Academy needs some sort of uh, investigative department. Right. For (laughs) missing Oscars stolen by masked strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's or some dude. Like, what was it? Was it just some dude came up to accept it? Like, not vetted by any way. Was just like, thanks. Like, bye. Like he was just waiting for the, for somebody to be like. And now so and so can't accept this award, and then just steps on stage. It's like I'm here to accept this on her behalf, and. uh she wants to thank uh, God and her mother and uh, <laughs> have a good night in the Academy. All right. And it just disappears into the night. <laughs> Great. Into the flooded, Perfect. to the flooded Los Angeles streets to, to yeah. ride the Oscar, like a flotation device. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's such a ridiculous thing to happen. And that is, the greatest note ever, sir. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yep. Back to it. Uh, best original story goes to the original Stars Born, William and Well, William A. Wellman and Robert Carson, beating out Life of Emile Zola. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, there's your favorite Academy Award category there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, surprisingly, I've actually never seen any rendition of A Star is Born, and I need to... I can tell you which one is really fucking annoying in a karaoke bar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say, I think the Judy Garland one is my favorite. The first remake. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one I want to see. God, is that story really that good enough to remake so many fucking times? (laughs) The problem is it gets remade a lot more just with different titles. And one of my favorite ones is, uh, beyond the light with Gugu and Batha raw. So check that one out, everyone. Okay. Sure. Okay. And uh, I believe we had this bit of trouble last week where we couldn't decide what the fuck was going on with the categories, with the the writing. But Life of Emile Zola, which lost Best Original Story, wins Best Adaptation. Oh. Hey. Wait, hold on. It wasn't a glitch. (laughs) They actually did did this yeah uh, are, you, are you ready to hear one of the films it beat out yeah, yeah. because it was winner of best original story a star is born <laughs> um okay uh, wow i don't i don't understand how both of those are in both categories uh but it happened to last it happened last week too wow um wow maybe different people voting uh, or something I, on different categories I, I i don't know couldn't tell you well what bugs me this is based on a true story right yes so it's not original you know i feel like that's the thing well if if the I, material it, it wasn't based on a book or anything um then it's original i i feel like that should still just kick it out i like that's i feel like it could, could be adapted from real life yeah and you know and that's kind of where I went, but I, I think specifically the 
adaptation category states that it's best adaptation from uh, from materials previously published. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So even though it's based on someone's life, if it wasn't pre-published material, which this says it was based on Zola and his times by Matthew Josephson. Okay, I, so, uh, so why would it be in the original category? Yeah. <laughs> like, and A Star is Born is based on a story by William A. Wellman and Robert Carson, who won Best Original Story. Uh, oh, hold on. Holding. So are we are we giving this the story credit and not calling it best original screenplay? So sound sounds like they're still working it out. Interesting. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't put this together last week. <laughs> well, you got there. Proud of you. Wow, only only took me a goddamn week. I didn't know it. Uh <laughs> Yeah, because this is saying this is based on a story by William A. Wellman and Robert Carson, who win original story, but they don't get nominated for adaptation. Alan Campbell, Robert Carson, and Dorothy Parker get nominated for adaptation. Okay. All right, I'll buy that. Thank you. Good good clarification. Okay. All right. So, there we go. I don't know everything. Well, well we, we learn together. Proud of you. We, we become stronger. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Uh, let's see. Best live action short subject. One reel uh, goes to the private lights, the private life of the Gannets. Best live action short, sub, short subject. Two reel goes to torture money, which I kind of want to look up. That's a sexy title. That is uh, best live action short subject. Color goes to Penny Wisdom. And now time for everybody's favorite. Podcast within a podcast. Yeah. Walt Disney Oscar watch. <laughs> yep. Yep. Walt Disney wins his seventh Oscar in six years for the old mill. Okay. Right. Uh, and shockingly, he does not beat out Walt Disney this year. Oh, well, so slow year at Disney, I guess. <laughs> yep. Well, they were busy uh, making a full length movie this year. That's true. <laughs> which I will get to in, in this next category, best score. Uh, best score goes to 100 Men and a Girl for Universal Studio Music Department and beats out Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It is the only uh, nomination that that film picks up. So Yeah. Gotcha. Right. At, at that time, they didn't have animated feature, right? Yeah, that that's... No, animated, best animated feature does not exist until 2001. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Can can anybody name what the first film to win Best Animated Feature was? Two thousand one was it um, a Shrek? Oh, Shrek! It was Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Beat out Monsters Inc. Somehow, bastards, bastards. <laughs> uh, okay, best song goes to Sweet Leilani from Waikiki Wedding. Music and lyrics by Harry Owens. Uh, best That's sound. A good title. Damn, that is a good title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that it's not racist. Uh, oh, it is. Oh, it's probably most likely is. Racist. Uh, best sound recording goes to The Hurricane. Best art direction goes to Lost Horizon, the Frank Capra film. Best cinematography, my favorite category, goes to The Good Earth. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, there's a film in the best cinematography category called Wings Over Honolulu. Was it just a... A good time to shoot in Hawaii this year. Apparently. Uh, best film editing goes to Lost Horizon. So, Jonathan, there you go. Yeah. And yeah. then our two uh, categories that will be leaving next year. Best dance direction goes to Hermes Pan for A Damsel in Distress. So three out of three years, Busby Berkeley gets nominated and does not win. And wow. Dave Gould gets nominated for the Marx Brothers film A Day at the Races making Dave Gould for Best Dance Direction the only nomination a Marx Brothers film ever received. Wow. Wow. Ever. How insane is that? Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. All right. And Best Assistant Director goes to In Old Chicago. Uh, So the love is spread around here. And Mm -hmm. the Irving G. Thalberg Award goes to Daryl F. Zanuck who in 1937 
produced in old Chicago. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, trying to see if there was anything else in 37 then. Oh, here we go. Uh, also direct uh, produced Nancy Steele is missing. Seventh Heaven. Slave Ship. Mm. We Willy Winky. I just saw that. <laughs> Wake Up and Live. Thin Ice. Wife, Doctor, and Nurse. Lancer, Spy, and Love and Hisses. So he had... That is a terrible title. Oh, no. <laughs> awful, awful title. <laughs> Let's look. Uh, let's look at love and hisses. Uh, uh, cats or snakes. stars. Walter Winchell, the Wally Winchell, the the newspaper, the the news guy. It's the sequel to Wake Up and Live. Oh God! Oh, yeah. I kind of want to see this movie, but I really fucking don't. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they want to continue the series after this film, but Winchell chose to return to New York City to concentrate on his newspaper and radio work. Okay. So there oh. you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It is Wally. Uh, so 1937 also had the daughter of the samurai come out. Okay. Oh. Which is the first movie that was co-produced by Japan and Nazi Germany. Oh, geez. And I kind of want to see this movie. What's it called? But it's called the daughter of the samurai. Daughter of the samurai. I wow. will. I going to find that uh because that's the kind of stuff that i feel you can gain a lot from watching yeah like yeah. Uh, like, historical context yeah exactly all right so some honorary awards go to one goes to max Sennett for his lasting contribution to the comedy comedy technique of the screen to the basic principles of which are just as important today as they were when they were first put into practice. The Academy presents a special award to that master of fun, discoverer of stars, sympathetic, kindly, understanding comedy genius. So you're saying the Academy does know what comedy is? <laughs> you know, and around this time, um, we we got it happened one night that won Best Picture a couple of years ago, and then and the year after this, uh, we'll we'll get another comedy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Max Sinnott was the creator of the Keystone Cops. Okay. Uh, which, if you've ever seen any of those, like, old black and white, goofy, like, a bunch of cops running after something or all put onto, oh. like, one car. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Keystone Cops. Uh, it's a reference okay. I make often because it was a... A reference in one of my absolute favorite X-Files episodes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, nice. I don't know if you remember the one DPO with uh, uh, Giovanni Ribisi as the, the kid who could control lightning. Mm, I may have missed that. I need to rewatch X-Files. Think I remember that. Anyway, in, in every episode, yeah. he uh, or in every episode, in that episode, he's continuously <laughs> watching Keystone Cops because he hates the cops in his town so much. <laughs> understandable it's a really interesting um edgar bergen won uh a honorary award for creating the charlie mccarthy dummy okay okay nope. got it uh the museum of modern art film library for its significant work in collecting films dating from 1895 to the present for the first time making available to the public the means of studying the historical and aesthetic development of the motion picture as one of the major arts yeah excellent so essentially hmm. so essentially uh film preservation begins in 1937 sweet nice and then howard w howard green gets an honorary award for the color photography of a star is born which was the first color film to be nominated for best picture oh hey oh there you go oh and uh one last note before i finish this oscar breakdown uh the winner of best supporting actor joseph schlidkraut is a 100 percenter nominated once won once nice, nice. <laughs> good and that's it that's our and oscars that's for 1937 Excellent. Thank Excellent. you. A lot going on that year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of, because I wasn't here uh, real quick, I do feel like I missed a joke last week. Okay. Or at least a reference, because I didn't know that the story of Louis Pasteur was up for Best Picture last year, and nobody was working on a metamorphosis the same year, and that bugs the crap out of Oh, me. don't forget that uh, the story of Louis Pasteur also crossed over with the story of Louis Braille, and that movie was called... 
Louis Louis. Yes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, ho, movies. You were the gift that keeps right. on giving. Very nice. All right. So let's go ahead and let's talk about this movie. Um, real quick, and I'm not sure if where we put this before, but I'm going to be a little upset. Is this movie in the Library of Congress? Oh, okay. So we haven't talked about this like the last three weeks, and I have a note for that. Okay. Uh, yes, it is. And please guess what year that this got put in. I um, it started in 1989. I want to say right? this was one of the firsts. So would that have been like 89? Yeah, 89 was the, was the first class. I would put it in like the 92 era mm, or the 92 era. I'm going to go uh, 95. 2000. Oh damn! Okay. Let me let me look up what it got put in with because I actually will find that very interesting. Hopefully, everybody else finds that interesting too because I, I find it interesting. That's why I brought it up. Yep. Okay, uh, so so we didn't bring it up the last couple of weeks because the last two films didn't get put in. So, sure, uh, yeah. but I usually bring it up even if it doesn't get put in. Which wait, so Mutiny on the Bounty isn't put in there? Mutiny on the Bounty is not in there. Mm. Zeekfeld, uh, um, Zeekfeld, I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah, no. Sure. Uh, okay, so 2000, we got uh, the President McKinley inauguration footage. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to go through and f- find the better one so I don't list all 25 or so. Um, the Fall of the House of Usher, a short film from 28, gets put in. Uh, the Bela Lugosi Dracula from 1931 gets put in. In 2000? In 2000. God. Uh, like, I mean... I mean, it's it's one of those things where I'm sure other... If I go through here, there's going to be other ones. But at this point, I think the... I think it's 25 years is uh, how long it takes for something to get put in. So in 2000, you're looking at anything from 1985 and before. That's a lot of movies. Yeah, I get it. I just, the movie was already snubbed pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. And Lugosi's pretty much perfect in it. Uh, Little Caesar from 1931 gets put in. Life of Emile Zola. Uh, Why We Fight, a collection of World War II American propaganda films directed by, like, Frank Capra and John Ford get put in. Big names. Uh, the remake, the first remake, Star is Born, is put in. And Mutiny on the Bounty is not in. Mutiny on the Bounty is not in. Uh, Five Easy Pieces, uh, the Bob Rafelson film starring Jack Nicholson, is put in. Shaft makes its way yeah. into nice. <laughs> the National Film Registry. Uh, Network, the 1976 nice. film, uh, Apocalypse it. Now. Uh, Koyonakatsi comes, gets in, and uh, uh, the oh, it must be twenty years because Goodfellas gets put in in two thousand. So, all right, not twenty five, twenty twenty five is the Maybe. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ten years. So there you go. I don't know. No math. So the reason I brought it up was because I loved the crap out of this movie. Um, outside of the fact that once again, if it's not an American accent. It's a British one. <laughs> and when they go to England for 30 seconds, it's the one guy with the world's worst British accent. Right. <laughs> I, I understand that Americans, for some strange reason, need to have the bad guys have British accents, which is why the entire generals are all of them. <laughs> I feel like had their British That's accents. Just the easy one, I guess. Right. But Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, no, this movie was just a pleasure to watch. And it it seems like one of those movies where like, no, no, this guy really wasn't actually this cool, but at least they did the movie well by making it good. Mm-hmm. Not quite as bad as like the greatest show on earth where they, you know, turn a piece of shit human into, you know, an icon. But right. mm-hmm. at least this one, it just it was the monologuing in this movie was so well done, especially the court scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just enjoyed the absolute crap out of. Right. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I 
I'd heard of Emil Zola like back in college, and we were talking about naturalism and literary naturalism stuff like that. But I never looked into his work. And as I was watching the movie, I was like, "Why haven't I read this guy? He seems awesome. I'm I'm a big fan of realism and social commentary. And why haven't I read his work?" And so the first half of the movie, I, I was having a little hard time um, following because it was going so fast. And I'm like, "What are these historical things that are happening? I'll have to listen to this." Yeah. Or, look it up after because i don't really know what's happening right. all the time uh yeah it's 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 real good and it makes you want to get out there and write a book about injustices and everything yeah. and try well, to solve so, the problems so that actually brings up a pretty interesting point that uh something that happened to me while watching this movie so the first i'd say 10 to 15 minutes i was starting to fade i was like you know new kid yeah. so trying to stay awake um and then I kind of like, I know I drifted once and I kind of got back up and I was like, hey, that dude was just poor. What's going on? I was like, did I miss this entire movie? And I paused it to look at the times like, no, I missed like three seconds. Like what happened? Yeah, that's it. I absolutely hated the first half hour of this movie. Hated it. Yeah, it was so poorly paced. Mm -hmm. It was so poorly constructed. The writing was cheesy and bland. And all I could think watching the first half hour of this movie was this guy is supposed to be the father of realism, of naturalist realism in, in writing, and his they make a film of his life that feels like the most Hollywood bullshit you could come up with. Yeah. And I yeah. hated every second of the beginning of this movie. Like, could if this is gonna be the rest of the movie, I'm I just can't. I'm going to check out. We're getting another Cimarron, and I don't want it. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I mean, once it, once it stops, like once you get that kind of like, Hey, knock your shit off from the, uh, the old roommate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when the whole Dreyfus thing comes in, then you're like, all right, this is what the movie is about. Yeah. 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 Once it, everything before was like a, Hey, this is Zola. He had a rags to riches thing that happened to him and a little sweet thing that happened with Nana. And that's yeah. about it. But yeah, like, once it shifts gears into the courtroom drama that it becomes, it is yeah. a much more interesting film. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it takes entirely too long to get there. Definitely. Uh, Dreyfus should have been more of a character, as we discussed a little more up top. Yeah. Uh, and I honestly think what they should have done with the first 30 minutes is chop it up and disperse it out through the film as kind of like, him looking back on his life to gain to gain more uh, a reminder uh, of what is needed a yeah where he you know, like a perspective of where he where, came from. where he's come from and where he needs yeah. to go from there and how that should influence everything he does but it yeah. all just being shoved up into the front and just sped through as fast as they could felt very yeah. disingenuous yeah. and yeah i agree turn. well and, and it kind of tells you like so you, you kind of get a feel of like, all right, this is the kind of movie I'm going to get. I'm expecting a biopic about this dude's life. I mean, that's the name of the movie mm -hmm. is the life of Emil Zola. Right. And really that's not in the end what it's about because it is everything from that courtroom drama on. It's just, he had that little bit. So they tried to make it a biopic by forcing that first 30 minutes in there instead of giving us, yeah. as you had said, more of a kind of a reminder, a perspective look back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know, Jonathan, you haven't seen uh, last week's movie yet, but it feels like this movie has the opposite problem where we have um, with two biographical films that win Best Picture two years in a row, but <laughs> last year was so stretched and slow. They could have added, you know, 15, 20 minutes to this movie and um, fleshed out with flashback scenes or something. I, that's that's what I would have liked to have seen. Yeah, hell, I'll take that. I'll take the extra 50 minutes like Ziegfeld had a two hour, right. 50 minute movie. That could have been a two hour movie. I mean, do you think it really would have, would you think it would have added to the movie if they'd have given us more time in the beginning? Or do you think it would have been a better movie without that first half hour to begin? Mm -hmm. with? I think if we're going to call it the life of Emil Zola, you need to flesh out the first half hour. Right. So okay. give me another half hour of a movie or make the Dreyfus stuff a little shorter or call it the, the just Dreyfus give, affair or something. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, like Zola yeah. and Dreyfus or you know whatever. It yeah, like there are fixes, but if you're gonna call it the life of Emil Zola, give me the life of Emil Zola. Don't give me the 
the Cliff's Notes version of right. Emil Zola. <laughs> yeah. But it it really just did not serve the film in any way. And, it, and it's a real shame because no. I think Mooney is really good in this film. Mm. Uh, yep. Yep. I, I think the subject matter is really interesting, though I have a note that is going to flip that and I don't know whether to use it now or save it. Well, now, now you got to use it. Now I got to use it. Now you got to, you brought it up. You got to bring it. Okay. So, um, do it. So did you understand why Dreyfus was put on trial? Yes, I, I understand. I understand. Um, I won't cut into your note too much because I think I know where you're going to go with this. No, 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 no. The, the note goes a little further than you probably think it's going to. So, so please. Um, I know I was reading about some of the, um, how they were avoiding talking about anti-Semitism and they don't want to use the word Jew in the dialogue. But to me, it was very obvious when they pointed at it. The big bold faced written down Jew on the book. (laughs) Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like, okay. That's where we're going. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, apparently the Jewish nature, the anti-Semitic nature of the film and the fact that Dreyfus was Jewish was completely gone and scrubbed out of this script. Uh, Except for that one thing, which they were hoping would get uh, past the censors that they were trying to avoid. And those censors were not the Hayes code. Those censors were the German Nazi party. Oh no. Yeah. They scrubbed (laughs) This film of all of its anti-Semitic nature, except for that one small reference, which is so fleeting that if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. You just think that Dreyfus is a fall guy so that they could appease the Nazis. Oh, it's crazy. Like, this is this is Hollywood appeasing the Nazis. This is this is Jack Warner himself, a Jewish man appeasing the Nazis. Oh, no. Gross. Big oof. Big ol' oof. Uh, big, uh, big oof. Nope. Yeah, so, uh, and and for anybody that wants to be like, oh, you know, we hadn't entered the ward, we didn't know it was that bad at this time, or whatever you want to do, don't forget that in 1936, we went over to Germany and to Berlin for the Olympics and put up a black man, Jesse Owens, mm-hmm. to run track and field against the Nazis as a show of force that they were not the master race. Right. Yeah. So they could save that bullshit because this is just pure anti-Semitism at its finest in a film that should have been about fighting anti-Semitism at a time where we needed to be fighting anti-Semitism. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So that, unfortunately, I read that note before watching the movie and it really ruined the movie for me. Yeah, that's going to... That that that's gonna lose a mark. Yeah, I I didn't read it yeah. until afterwards, so I didn't have that sour taste in my mouth. But it's crazy that they had to sneak that under there. To me, it was obvious when they pointed at it and said it in bold letters there. But I can see how you know, maybe that's my modern perspective and understand Dreyfus is a Jewish name. But maybe you know people watching it in 1937 wouldn't have noticed or completely not seen that yeah i mean well and i think in the movie didn't they really more point out the fact that he like wasn't originally from france like i think that's what they were trying to say is that yeah they they turn it into more of a xenophobic thing than they do yeah which is in itself some kind of message but not the message that it need needed to be at the time that i'm sure i'm sure that these writers meant for it to be these the writers who picked this picked this at this time for this reason and then they went, uh, we want to sell this to Germany, so we're just going to not do that. Gross. God. <laughs> Who could imagine Hollywood doing something like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. What's next? Appeasing China for, you know, all their bullshit. <sighs> shooting, shooting vast segments of a <laughs> uh, massive Disney production in very problematic areas Ooh. of China. No, definitely not a thing. Yeah, no, not not a thing that happens. <laughs> Womp womp. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. All right. So any more notes we got on this movie there, sir? Um, any Anybody got something to say? No. Because now this movie has a bad fucking taste in my mouth, so thanks. <laughs> hey, I, I just, I'm, I'm the research guy. That's what I do. 
Yeah. I, I, God, you got to ruin something every day, don't you? Every day. <laughs> it, it makes our podcast all the more important for people to listen to, and they get the context, and they watch the movie with the knowledge in their head, and they can amplify the movie and make it better. What a nice way to say we ruin things for you guys. <laughs> hey, I think well. we did a very good job at not ruining it half in one night, which was very, very delightful. <laughs> exactly. Indeed. Uh, no, I don't have any more notes on this film. Okay. Zach, anything else to say about this movie? Um, or did you have nice things to say beforehand and now you can't? <laughs> well, no, I, I still overall, I didn't know much about Dreyfus case to begin with. So in that sense, it brought that to light for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I didn't know a whole lot about the anti-Semitism in France in the late 19th century, early 20th century. So it's like, it was enlightening to me in that sense. And like I said, I want to go back and read more of, uh, Zola's work and you know I never knew that uh African American comedian and social critic Paul Mooney got his name based off this Paul Mooney because of Scarface well his nickname you know based off Scarface so yeah that is something I just learned too so thank you for that yeah yeah so I don't really have any other notes other than I agree with you know um talking about the first half of the movie being a mess too fast and cheesy it's still even it's still even being scrubbed censored god for the for the nazis like it's not just for the nazis it's for the placation of the nazis it's like hey we want nazis to watch this movie that ruins everything that ruins everything for me yeah like, when i was watching it i finished watching and i was like oh I feel inspired to fight something. um. Right. Like that's the whole point of the movie. And now you're telling me that they, they, they take out the reason for the fight. Right. Like at first I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, fuck the government. I'm with you on that one. Right now it's, and now, you know, it's supposed to really be, Hey, fuck hate. And Oh no, we'll take that out. We'll just say, (laughs) no, the, the the guys on top are bad. Not that everybody hating an entire race of people. Right. Right. They did piss off France enough to get the movie banned for a while, though. So. Yeah. Well, they they had their own problems at this time. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't have any other uh, notes, really. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> uh. Oh, good times. All right. Mm. So let's go ahead and let's get those very important questions asked. And uh, Paul, generally you were in things here at the get go, but you've already done that. <laughs> but we're going to see if you can do it some more. Okay. Paul, did this movie deserve best picture? Um, taking out the Nazi context. <laughs> I don't like the first half hour of this movie. And it really yeah. was a slog for me to get into. Uh, if if I didn't have that information going in into this podcast and going into my brain while watching it, uh, I still would have said no, because I think it's a good movie and I think it's a good socially conscious film. Uh, and I just last week, I believe, uh, chided the Oscars for not giving the Academy Award to the socially conscious film for uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Was that last week? Yeah. Yeah, that was last yeah. week. Okay, yeah. so uh, so even though this was a socially conscious film, I don't think it I don't think it was good enough to be best picture, especially in a year where the Marx Brothers' The Day at the Races comes out, mm-hmm. which is an incredible film. Uh, the, this is around the time where the Marx Brothers are just hitting on all cylinders, so mm-hmm. uh, that should have been up for best picture. I think Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is a much better film. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Jean Renoir's Grand Illusion. There it is. 1937. Uh, that is Criterion Spine number one. Yeah. It's a recent oh. pickup, isn't it? Yep. Uh, pick this up for like 10 bucks uh, at uh, the second in Charles. Uh, also came out in 1937 and is a much better film. So, uh, no, I don't think this is our best picture. All right. Zach? So, uh, before I answer that, I have a quick question. Paul, you may or may not know, but as far as like the production code, the Hayes code and the Academy are, are the same people in Hollywood that like established production code, part of the Academy or is the Academy like pushing against, we don't like the code. 
I don't know. Uh, I mean, the Hayes Code is, you know, it's not one of those things where it's a law. It's uh -huh. just a set of guidelines that right. certain people are going to adhere to. Okay. Like, if they don't, then you're just going to get a whole bunch of screaming Karens coming yeah. at you. Okay, so the Hayes Code uh, came out under the MPPDA, later known as the Motion Picture Association of America. So, no, it is not the Academy. Okay. Um, Presbyterian elder Will H. Hayes was, let's see, Hollywood in the 1920s was rocked by a number of notorious scandals, such as the murder of William Desmond Taylor and alleged rape of Virginia Rapp, a popular movie star by popular movie star Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle, which F brought widespread condemnation from religious, civic, and political organizations. Many felt the movie industry had always been morally morally questionable. Yeah. So no, it's just a bunch of uh, a bunch of yeah, okay, nosy oh. Nellies coming yeah. in. Thank you. Yeah, my reason for asking was I was wondering if like the Academy was like somehow pushing this movie. For the social comment, social commentary, and even though it's scrubbed, it's like we want to push something that tries to uh, shake our fists at the establishment. That's probably giving the academy too much yeah. credit. So, right. no, I uh, do not think it deserved best picture. It's it's a, to answer the question. It's I haven't actually seen Lost Horizon, but I've heard it's a a superior movie. It's a cap yeah. I've missed. So I Same think. here. And, and after watching a documentary about his life, I'd really like to fill in the gaps that I have missed as well. Yeah. I saw that um, it was a big financial failure. So maybe that's the reason why it wasn't awarded. Uh, I remember liking uh, Prisoner of Zenda. That was a long time ago. I saw that, though. Um, Snow White, even though I'm not a huge Snow White fan, I still think that's a better movie, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's several things that were better. Um, yeah. So right. what do you think, Jonathan? Um, I'm, you know, I'm having not seen basically anything else that you guys have said outside of Snow White. I mean, Snow White is a better movie. Um, I can only assume a few movies that were even nominated would be better um, outside of uh, The Good Earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I... It, it, like I said, the the info Paul gave me really put a bad taste in my mouth. You, when you play K to the Nazis, you're you're down a notch or five. Right. So yeah. like, when you go from a pretty solid B to a D plus just because of that, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you you're not a good movie to me anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We punch Nazis. Punch so. Nazis. Uh, Nazis that ruin right. everything. All right, so let's go ahead and ask the question: Should is this the worst best picture? Jonathan says, mm, man, I almost said a sentence that pissed me off thinking about it. I almost said, despite the Nazi stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> and I feel like you should never despite the Nazi stuff. Never. Yeah. But Broadway Melody is really fucking bad. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so horrendous and just so bad. Uh, but uh, I, I will say that it is not the worst because I enjoy a good courtroom drama. Yeah. And if you do take that information out, it, it, it's still outside of that first half of a movie. It was a, a pretty damn good film, but I just not one that I can ever in my life say you should watch this good movie. Right. Because it was made for Nazis. Because that's basically what they did. <laughs> Zach. Yeah, no, I feel the same way now. Like when I was watching it, um, the courtroom scenes were getting spicy. You know, I was like, I might actually have to go out and buy this movie. It's a real good one. But no, now I'm not. I don't want to anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no. I I would still rather watch it several times than to try to watch Broadway Melody again. I would fall asleep. You know? Real quick, something I want to bring up as well. Can we just Give credit to the defense lawyer in that uh, scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was amazing. Yeah, he was like just the gall the character <laughs> had was so awesome. I was like, dude, yes. Can I get that guy to defend me for anything that I do in the future? Because right. he just basically tells the judge, nah, dude, shut the fuck up and listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> so just a well-written character. Yeah. So that just, was good. Yeah. 
All right, Paul, does this movie or is this movie the worst best picture? I have one question. Oh, we got thought. Oh, okay. Got one question. Could you imagine I gotta hear it. watching To Kill a Mockingbird and them just taking out the racial undercurrent of that film? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, could, you, could you just imagine watching that movie and then uh-huh. them taking that from, hey, this whole town's racist and that's why this guy's getting about to be put in jail or put to death or anything worse. Yeah. And it just being, oh, God. oh um, he just didn't like him that much and He's just trying to set him up and people like him more for no particular reason. Right. Son of a bitch. Dish is the worst fucking best picture I've ever seen. And I hate it to death. And I hope it dies in a fucking fire. <laughs> God. Damn. Broadway melody like, is a I, masterpiece to compared to this now. <laughs> damn. Righteous fury. I, I like. God. Seriously, like I said, it, to even be able to utter the sentence despite the Nazi stuff hurts me so much. And you bring up that point. I'm not going to change my answer. I said what I said. Sure. Right. Yeah. Broadway Melody is fucking terrible. Oh, and awful. if you look at these movies as they are face to face without any prior knowledge, this movie is going to be better. I yeah. agree. But yeah, you can't, you can't ignore that sort of thing. You can't. And so, it, and I'm not saying that you guys are, but I just won't. I I will not no. stand behind this movie at all. It is a much more made, well-made film than uh, Broadway Melody. It's a much more well-made film than Great Siegfeld last week, which isn't even in my, which I think is in my bottom three. But I, yeah, I won't, I won't stand by this movie, and uh, I'm calling it the worst best picture of all time. Wow. Okay. So we we that's I think that's the first time. We've had somebody uh, put Broadway Melody at the uh, number two slot. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I um, respect it. I, I want I, I I nothing but respect for it. Yeah. yeah. I would be there too if it wasn't. If if I didn't notice them point right to the word, and the word two, yeah. and it's like I yeah. the point got across to me, but that yeah. was before I knew it had been scrubbed too. So. Yeah, and, and again, like, I. <laughs> I told myself a couple weeks ago that I wasn't going to look up information about movies anymore if I hadn't already seen the movie. Right. And I went ahead and did that this week, and I paid the price for it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, so others don't have I, to. Oh, man. All right. Well. Yeah. You pay the yeah, so We thank you for your sacrifice, yeah, sir. Watch, watch <laughs> this movie or don't. You can skip it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not like you go out and buy this movie. You're giving Nazis money. That's fair. But yeah, it's yeah. Go read Zola and It's Time by uh, Matthew Josephson. Yeah, or there or go. go go buy some Zola because apparently the dude was actually just a really chill guy. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, I think that's where we're going to go ahead and call it here today. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on Facebook at Altorn underscore Occam. You can find me on Twitter at Altorn Occam. You'll eventually find me on Twitch when my child will let me um, at twitch.tv slash underscore Occam. Uh, Zach, where can we find you? You can find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, though spelled X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, where I post my short movie reviews, and I'll ponder on this one and then see what I'm going to write about it. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Father of the Fear. <laughs> Yes, I'm going to start making TikToks with my child, sir. I promise you. I already have ideas. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd. That's letter B-O-X-D dot com slash vaudevillian. Or you can look me up by name. And uh, you can follow what my rankings there. And I often put my rankings up before these episodes drop. So you'll, you'll get to know what I'm about to say before I say it. All right, nice. <laughs> We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. For, or, oh, yep, you're right. Cutting. Uh, go ahead. I didn't say it. I wasn't going to jump on the toes. Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching Frank Capra's You Can't Take It With You, which you can find on the normal YouTube, Voodoo, Google Play, iTunes, or Amazon Prime. And I love to watch it on my shiny new copy on Blu-ray. I was hoping it was on the Criterion channel. It's not. I didn't find it there. I did check. <laughs> yeah. 
disappointed. Disappointed! No, no. We do not talk about that man anymore. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, he absolutely is. He is a Gina Carano in the greatest sense of the word. <laughs> oh, let's not. <laughs> Spicy! Oh, Paul getting into fights about angels. <laughs> We would like to thank Trav for our sister podcast, Leveling Up and Benjamin Banks, for producing her show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. You can follow the show on Twitter at OscarWorstyPod and on Facebook at the OscarWorstie Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen by the almighty algorithm. You'll never find us on Parlay, by the way. <laughs> No, <laughs> not like Gina Carano. You mean Mind Space? Only clans? <laughs> Fascist book. <laughs> oh, wonderful. For Jonathan and Zach, I hope you all had a happy turkey day, and I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. 